0: so many of us are things that we were trying to accomplish this week and things we still need to accomplish this week and I know that so many tonight are just busy and there's so many things we have on our mind but I pray for the next few moments you would help us to be able to forget about the world forget about our schedule, forget about the week and Lord forget about our jobs and just help us to be able to focus on your word and that it would be profitable for us. We love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, we're there in Exodus chapter number 22 and like we uh, talked about last week when we were in Exodus 21, a few chapters there in Exodus are kind of uh, uh, interesting chapters because they're just diverse laws and ordinances. They're different. We're really just reading through the law book of the children of Israel and going through and seeing the laws that God has set down. Now, we talked about it last week, and I'm not going to go through it again, but we talked about how the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable. And, you know, we shouldn't just cut things out and say, well, that doesn't apply to us, because it, it, it can all apply to us, and we can learn from it. And I'd really just like to go tonight and explain to you some of the things that are is being expounded upon here, and that uh, maybe things you might have not caught just reading through it. If you look at verse number 1, the Bible says, If a man shall steal, so we're talking about a thief, Says if a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Now what I want you to see there, this is talking about a man stealing an object, or stealing, in this case, the example is an ox or a sheep, but he kills it or he sells it. The idea there is that this man cannot return these things. Do you understand what I'm saying? If someone steals something and they cannot return it, then the punishment was that they were, for stealing one sheep, they were to restore four sheep. And for stealing one ox, they were to restore five oxen. And what I'd like you to see there, uh, it's interesting to me, uh, you know, I I didn't grow up in a farm or or with cattle or anything like that, but I would imagine that an ox is more expensive than a sheep, right? I mean, a, a lamb would be something that would be cheap, uh, sheep are cheap. And, uh, but an ox, you know, would be more expensive. And an ox would be something uh, worth a little more. And the interesting thing to me is if you steal an ox, you pay five times. If you steal a, 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 a sheep, you pay four times. So actually, the more expensive the, uh, the thing you steal, the more you have to pay. But I want you to understand is what's very interesting. I've told you this before. If you study the books of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy you study God's government the government that God set up you don't find a prison system you don't find people being thrown into prison now look, you study the book of Acts you study the book of Rome, you study the New Testament you find the heathen Throwing God's people into prison and you find the, the Gentiles, you know, developing prison systems and places. You don't find that in the Bible. The closest thing to a prison system you find in the Bible is when they put a man in ward. And what that meant was they put him in ward for like a couple days while they were trying to figure out what to do with him. Okay. So, so that he couldn't run away because they ended up stoning him because he did something that was that bad that needed to be stoned. So they put him in ward. They asked God, what should we do? God said you should stone him because he broke the law. And then they stole him. That's the closest thing to a prison system. You don't find people paying, you know, for their sin, or for things they did, you know, by, by being thrown into jail for, for 10 years of their life, for 20 years, you find in the Bible that either a man does something bad enough that it's worthy of death, and he's killed, or you find somebody uh, that does something that's worth uh, taking a beating, They would beat people in the in the Old Testament, you know, um, for things they did. Or in the case of stealing, they were caught stealing. They had to pay back financially. Now look, you you know whether you agree with it or not, the today the the United States of America would save itself a lot of money and a lot of hassle if instead of taking these you know these kids off the street because they're smoking pot, you know, or something. And it's like, look, I'm not for smoking pot. I think it's bad to smoke pot. I think if you smoke pot, you're an idiot. You shouldn't do it. Blah blah blah. But you know, I also don't think we should take these kids off the street and put them in jail for a year. You know, and, and clothe them and, and give them health care and feed them three times a week and provide their cable and provide their education, you know, so they can get their call, you know, because they're in prison. Hey, look, why don't we just do what the Bible says? You steal something, you got to pay it back four times, four times what it's worth. You know, because you know what? Some of you know some of these people going into our prison doesn't affect them. It doesn't bother them. It's not a big deal to them. It's just vacation. It's just hey, you know whatever. I bet you just made them pay back whatever they stole. That you would you would def, uh, deter a lot of uh, a lot of uh, crime. Now look at verse number two. It says, if a thief be found breaking up, so it's a thief who when you found him, he's breaking up or he's breaking into your house, and be smitten that he die. The word smitten there means you hit him so. He died. Okay? You hit Him with a rod. You hit Him with a stick. Or you hit Him with a bullet. You know, whatever. And He died. Look, there shall no blood be shed for Him. Now, you don't have to go there, but Genesis 9.6, we talked about it last week, where the death penalty was instituted in the Bible... God said, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. But the Bible says here, if you kill a man while he's breaking into your house, he says there shall no blood be shed for him. Now, here's the thing. Look at the first part of verse 3. It says, if the sun be risen up upon him. So verse 3 is giving us the same example, but if the sun is up. What that tells us is that in verse 2, the example is if the sun is down. Do you understand what I'm saying? Verse 2 is telling us, if someone breaks into your house and there's no sun, it's dark. You know, they didn't have lights in those days. They didn't have, you know, uh, just lights 24 hours a day. If someone broke into your property, it's dark. God says, you're allowed to kill them. Because you know what? You don't know if they're in there just to steal from you. Or you don't know if they're in there to kill you. You don't know what they're in. He says, you know, you have the right to protect your family. You can hit them as hard as you want. And if they die from it, he said, there shall no blood be shed for him. Look, today, that's not the society we have today. Today, criminals have rights. You know, today, you'll you, you think I'm joking, but this is true. I've honestly heard. People will break into people's houses in the middle of the night, fall down the stairs, you know, because they slept on a toy, you know, break their, their, their back or break their leg or whatever, and then the homeowner is responsible for their bills. It's like the guy broke into my and I was like, well, you know, it's, our society is so insane today. You know, but the Bible says, you know what, you want to, you know, you, you're some little punk or whatever, you want to break into somebody's house too. He says, you know what, you're breaking at night, someone kills you, no, we're not going to shed blood for you. He says it's allowed. Now look at verse 3 though. If the sun be risen up, he says, so if it's in the middle of the day, you know, if the sun be risen up for him, um, there shall be blood shed for him. So he's saying, look, if someone breaks into your house in the middle of the day, you know, let's say you come home, someone's in your house, you know, stealing from you. And as soon as they see you, they run away. You know, you're not allowed to just chase after them and like kill them, okay? He says, look, if, if it's in the middle of the day and all they're doing, he's not talking about they're trying to kill you, because the Bible says you're allowed to defend yourself. They're trying to steal from you, but you know, it's in the middle of the day. He says, look, there shall, there shall be sh- uh, blood shed for him. For, the word for there means because, it says for he should make full restitution. He says, look, if he's stealing from you, what he should do is... Uh, do uh, full restitution. But if He does it in the middle of the night, He says, you're allowed to kill Him. That's what the Bible says. I like it. I wish we lived in that society. Look, look, at, verse, look at that part, verse 3. If He have nothing, because here's what people say, well, what happens, you know, that doesn't work, because what happens, we make Him pay four or five times what they stole. What if they don't have any money to pay? Look, God's smart. He takes care of this stuff. Look what it says. If He have nothing, then He shall be sold for His theft. Do you see that? Remember we talked about that last week? The servants... You say, well, why were they servants? Because they were thieves. Because they stole. Because they were in debt, and they stole. And they couldn't pay back. And by the way, that's just as bad as stealing from somebody's house. You go out and buy something on a credit card, and then they'll pay for it? That's stealing, my friend. And he said, you know, they'd be, they'd be, they were sold for their theft. And, and what does the Bible tell us? A lot of these people would steal. They would be sold for their theft, so they'd be a servant. And after seven years of being somebody's servant, and, and working alongside somebody that was responsible, working alongside somebody that was t- taught them character, that taught them work ethic, that taught them how to be responsible, that taught them how to budget their money, that taught them how to have money so they didn't have to steal from people, that taught them how to live a nice, successful life, that brought, them a, that brought them a wife and brought them kids, what would happen to these people? Remember what we read? They would say, I love my master, I don't want to leave. Because they reformed them. Most of these people come out of prison, what do they do? They go right back to what they were doing before It doesn't reform them. Look at verse 4. If the theft be certainly found in his hand. So this is different than verse 1. Remember verse 1? He stole an ox and he killed it or he sold it so he couldn't give it back. But if the theft be certainly found in his hand alive. So he hasn't sold it. He hasn't uh, killed it yet. Whether it be ox or ass or sheep. Look what it says. He shall restore double. So the law in the Old Testament was that if you stole something and you could return it, you still have to pay double. But if you stole something and you could not return it, you had to pay four times what you stole or five times what you stole, depending on what you stole. Very interesting. I was listening to the radio a couple, uh, this may, maybe was a month and a half ago, and I was um, listening to the this story. This is, how, this is how our society, how far gone our society has gone. These two teenage girls were being interviewed. And they were being interviewed because they were caught... Um, uh, they, what they had done is there was a, a, a Girl Scouts little group, you know, in front of a Walmart or something, selling their cookies, and these girls just ran up to these, you know, these were like 15-year-old girls. They ran up to these like 8 or 9-year-old girls and just grabbed the cash that they had, ran in their car and drove away, and then, you know, the cops found them. The and, and they were they were uh, they were interviewing these girls, and the funny thing: these girls, they could not—they, you know—they say, "Don't you think it's wrong to steal from me?" And they're like, "Well, we wanted the money. They had the money, so we took the money." You know, and they just didn't think there's anything wrong with that. They didn't think, but look, let me tell you: that's the entitlement mentality we're raising today. Children are being taught to work for their—you know—when I was a kid, you know, I didn't get anything for free. Good night now I have to go to years of therapy and I tell them uh, my parents look you know when I was a kid we worked my, I remember I, I have so many memories of me and my brother go with my you know my, my dad would have an ad in, uh, penny saver or whatever because he did work and we'd go and work for him and he'd pay us twenty dollars it didn't matter if it was like a five hour job or a you know Week job, you know, twenty dollars. But a nine-year-old, twenty dollars on of money. But you know what he taught us? He taught us to purchase our own things. You know what they taught us to tithe off our money. You know what they taught us to not spend it on dumb things, to not spend it on frivolous things. And you know what I do today as an adult? I go out and I make money, and I tithe on it, and I pay my bills, and I pr- uh, provide for my family. You know what most society doesn't do today? They get money the government gives them, and then they don't know how to spend it. They just waste it on here, waste it on that. Go buy this, go buy that. Have no concept of budgeting, no concept of responsibility, no concept of. You just say, money and you live off it, and then you wonder why our society is weighted. If we would get back to the Bible where God would say, look, things are worth something. You can't take somebody else's thing and give it and just take it. It's worth something. He says you got to pay double. But notice, no prison time. He's just saying, look, pay twice as much. Look at verse 5. If a man shall cause a field or vineyard, I think, I think Chick-fil-A is already here. Is that right? Is that right? Okay. It was supposed to be at eight, so we're not stopping. <laughs> you're gonna have to wait. All right. Um, look at verse five. If a man shall cause a field or vineyard to be eaten, and shall put it in, uh, and shall put in his beast, and shall feed in another man's field or the best of his own vineyard, and of the best of his own vineyard shall he make restitution. So he's look. You're saying, look, you you ate somebody else's food, or you fed your, you know, your your uh, cattle there, somebody else's food. Of the best of your vineyard, you're gonna pay that back. Oh, what I was saying, the reason I was bringing up this girl, the, the girls, is because they said, this is what they said. They were like, are you upset that you're being charged with a crime? Are you upset that you're going to have to go to juvenile hall? Are you...? And this is what they said. They said, we're upset that they took the money back, and they're charging us. This is what they were done. They thought, look, if we gave the money back, they should let us go. But if they're going to charge us anyway, they might as well get let us keep the money. That's what their idea was. <laughs> and they were sincere. They were like, they're going to charge us with a crime, and they took them, and they were like, this is a, this is illegal. You know, it's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, but in the Bible, what do you say? He says, look, you pay back double. You know, but those are the kids we're raising today. I'm not raising. Look, it's are raising today. Not me. Look at verse 6. If fire break out, and catching thorns, so that the stack of corn, or the standing corn, or the field be consumed therewith, he that kindleth the fire shall surely make restitution. These little, you know, pyromaniacs that like to start all these fires in California. If you made them pay back all the houses they burned down, I bet they find a way to get over their pyromania. Look at verse 7. If a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money, or stuff, to keep. Now we talked about that word keep on Sunday morning. Do you remember that? The word keep means to guard, or care of. He says, you give a man, you sh- uh, if a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep. So you give a man money or stuff, you tell him, hey, can you guard this for me? Can you take care of this for me? Can you, can you watch this for me? And it be stolen out of the man's house. If the thief be found, let him pay double. That's, we've already seen that, right? Something gets stolen, the thief finds it, he pays twice as much. If the thief be not found... Then the master of the house shall be brought unto the judges to see whether he hath put his hand unto his neighbor's goods. See it? So the thing is missing, and they can't find a thief for it. Then they take that guy who was supposed to be guarding it, and then they take him to the judges to try to see, did he take it? You know, did he steal it? And he's lying about it. And say, saying, oh, I don't know what happened to it. Now he has it. Look at verse 9 though. For all manner of trespass, whether it be for ox, for ass, for, for sheep, for ramen, or for any manner of lost thing, which another challengeth. Do you see that? Another chall- challengeth to be his. So this is a situation where I let someone, I told, uh, um, you know, Brother Hudson, can you please watch my, you know, million dollars here in my back? And then I come back a few days later and I say, where's my million dollars? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I say, I think you took it and you're lying and by the way I'm still mad about this million dollars brother but you know I think you took it and and I'm challenging him to be his the cause of both both parties shall come before the judges and whom the judges shall condemn notice whoever the judges shall condemn the person accusing or the person being accused look what it says he shall pay double unto his neighbor so here's the thing let's say brother Hudson did steal my million dollars he has to pay twice as much just like a thief you see that but let's say I accused him falsely, and the judges said, no, he didn't steal it, and you accused him falsely, guess what? Now I have to pay him double of what I was trying to get him to do. You know, we had this in our society, you know what we get rid of? Our sue-happy society, where everybody just wants to sue everybody. You know, we we're, we're watching the Ken Hoven videos this week, and what, I don't know if you caught this, but Ken Hoven was, was talking about how it's legal, it's completely legal, and he proved it, that it's legal for uh, teachers to teach creation in public schools. Because it's a theory. And and, it, and it's you can say, look, here's the, the theory of evolution, and here's the theory of uh, creation, and you can choose. It's legal to do that in public schools today. But he was saying how the ACLU found that all you have to do is threaten schools to sue them. And because of the financial laws, like most schools would just be like, okay, whatever, let's not deal with it, it's fine and even though the ACLU knows they'll lose they know that they don't have a leg to stand on they still do it because they know that it costs the other people so much money to hire a lawyer, to have to go to court to do all these things, it costs them so much money they'll just be afraid to do it and they'll just won't do it but guess what, if we had this law in America where if you sued somebody and you were lying about it, or you were doing it wrong then you have to pay them what you wanted them to do hey, we get rid of that see, God's society is pretty good it'd be nice if we went back to it Look at verse, uh, where were we? Verse number 10. i got to hurry because the chicken's here. If a man deliver unto his neighbor an ass, or an ox, or a sheep, or a beast to keep it, and it die. Now notice, it ain't get stolen. It die, or be hurt, or driven away, no man seeing it. Then shall an oath of the Lord be between them both, that he hath not put his hand unto his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept thereof, look what it says, and he shall not make it good. So, I give, um, you know, I asked uh, Brother Hudson, if he, I keep hearing on Brother Hudson because it's his birthday, I said, can you please watch my dog? And then I came back and he's like, your dog's dead. No, I'd be like, praise the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. I'd be like, oh, man, you know, the dog's dead. Oh, no. You know, that's so, that's so bad. But, um, you know, he said, he said, the dog died. I'm sorry. I, you know, when I wasn't looking, he went over there and looked up, you know, some, I don't know, radiator fluid, and he died. And there's whatever. But it wasn't his fault, you know, something like that. Then, look, he doesn't have to pay me back anything. But he does have to pay back if I said, don't let you, I've got this, you know, I've got, I don't know, this real you know I don't even know I don't know anything about dogs what's a, like a very um, chihuahua, chihuahua? chocolate <laughs> good nice <night. laughs> <laughs> like okay let's say yeah German Shepherd there you go you know I remember I was, uh, when I was in the military they would advertise these military dogs that they were worth twenty thousand dollars these German Shepherds because they were like you know trained let's say I had one of those twenty thousand dollar dogs and I said to Brother Hudson don't let anyone steal this dog this is a very expensive dog and it gets stolen well guess what he has to pay me for it because that was his job (coughs) to keep it from getting stolen but if it gets hurt or it dies and it's not something that he didn't have control over then he doesn't have to pay for it look at verse 12 and if it be stolen from him he shall make restitution unto the owner thereof so I told him don't let anybody steal this and it gets stolen he has to restore it now he doesn't have to pay double you see that? He didn't, he didn't steal it, but he has to make it good. But if it gets hurt or something out of his control, then it's fine. Look at verse 13. If it be torn in pieces, then let him bring it for a witness and he shall not make good that which is torn. So he can bring the body and say, look, I'm sorry this happened. You know, uh, and I don't know. Uh, a mountain lion came into my property and killed your dog. I'm sorry. Here's the pieces. And then it's fine. Look at Verse 14. And if a man borrow out of his neighbor, and it be hurt or die, the owner thereof being not with it, he shall surely make it good. Now look, some of this stuff you think, why are we going to this? You know, honestly, we got back to Exodus 22 type mentality. We just have a lot of relationship problems. Look, it says if you borrow something for someone, and you destroy it, you ought to pay it back. How many people get mad, you know, in relationship? You know, I have to, as a pastor, tell, you know, try to preach to people, look, if you let somebody borrow something, just... Don't let them borrow something if it's going to destroy your relationship with them. You say, "Why do I have to say that as a as a as a people?" Because we have a society of people that borrow things, break them, and then don't give them back. It's like the Bible says: you borrow something, you should make it good, you know. And if you aren't responsible enough, then don't borrow it, you know. But but on the other side, as a Christian, hey, don't let somebody borrow something. You know, this is what I, people ask me: can I borrow this? This is what I always think to myself. Uh, this is what somebody asked me, can I borrow this? This is what I was thinking to myself. If if the worst thing happens to that. If actually the worst thing happens to that object, could I live without it? Could I still be kind to that person? Could I still love that person? And if the answer is yes, I'll let them borrow. If the answer is no, I don't. So you ask me to borrow a pen, there you go. You ask me to borrow, you know, my uh, Mercedes, then hey, maybe not. (laughs) Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? That would be your mentality. But the other person's mentality is, hey, you borrow something and you destroy it, you ought to make it good. Look at verse 15. You know what God's teaching here? You want to know what this chapter is about? Character. The seeing the value of things. Seeing how things cost money. People work hard for things and you got to pay it back. Look at verse 15. But if the owner thereof be with it, he shall not make it good. If it be a hired thing, it came for his hire. So, now it's a little different. Now, you know, if I, if, 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 if I hired you to do a job and your tool got destroyed in that job, We don't have to pay it back, because you were there. You should have taken care of me. Or even, not if you were hired, if you were just there. I just say, hey, can you help me with this? You know, and, and, and your tool got destroyed. Now look, I'm the type of person, people's, you know, we're doing this building project, all sorts of people's tools got destroyed. I kept offering them, like, hey, we'll pay that back. And we kept saying, no, no, pastor, don't worry, you know. And I'm like, okay, whatever. you know, I don't look 20, you know, Exodus 22. But hey, I offered, because I know the value of things, you know. And if you're upset about us destroying your tool, please let me know. I'd, honestly, I'd like to pay pay for it back. But most people said, you know what, it's not a big deal. Maybe because they knew this too. They knew, hey, I was here, it got destroyed, you know, I'm I'm sure that's what it was. Look at verse uh, 16. And if a man entice a maid... So now we're changing subjects. If a man entice a maid that is not betrothed. That word betrothed means she's not uh, engaged. Or she's not, you know, set to be married to someone. He's enticed her and lie with her. That's talking about a physical relationship. And, she sh- and he shall surely endow her to be his wife. Now let me tell you something. This is where Christianity is different than the Bible. Today, Christians say, if you get a girl pregnant, you, you got to do the right thing and marry her. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you have a physical relationship with the girl. Pregnant or not, you got to marry her. You see the difference? Tell me that's not what it says. Today Christians say, you know, because here's the idea. If I set up and I preach to my children, you got to girl pregnant and she, you know, you got to marry her, you ought to do right by her, you got to marry her. What am I telling them? Go ahead and have physical relationships, and don't get her pregnant. You understand what I'm saying? What does that Bible say? And if a man entice a maid that is not betrothed and lie with her, where does it say she has to be pregnant? He shall surely endow her to be his wife. The Bible says you have a physical relation. Two single people have a physical relation. The right thing for them to do is to get married. Look at verse 17. If her father utterly refused to give her unto him, he shall pay money according to the dowry of her. obviously that's a different culture. We don't have that today. Um, look at verse 18. Thou shall not suffer a witch to live. You Remember I kept telling you all about the death penalties and how there's more than just you know death penalty for killing somebody. All sorts of the Bible. There's different reasons for a death penalty. One of the reasons for the death penalty is, if you were a witch, the Bible says, you are put to death. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Now what that tells me is this. Number one, witches aren't these fun, mystical characters that you read about in your little books. They're real. And God doesn't think they're funny. You know, some of you ought to go home and get your little Harry Potter books and throw them in the trash. Because God doesn't think they're funny. He says, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. And while you're at it, get your little vampire books and all your little zombie books and all your other you know, black magic, weird, duck, zombie stuff. Hey, that's not good. And throw your Star Wars while you're at it. We'll talk about that on Sunday night. <laughs> thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. God doesn't think it's funny, my friend. And you know what the world wants to do? They want to make a mockery at sin. They want to make, no, well this is a good witch. It doesn't say, thou shalt not suffer a bad witch to live. Is that what it And and you get up and you preach this kind of stuff and people think you're insane. Let me tell you something. You know that Harry Potter? The the little, you know, enchantments that they have? You know that those are real spells that real witches today practice? And you're letting your little seven-year-old read that stuff. Then you wonder why your seven-year-old, you know, grows up to kill people in theaters and do all sorts of crazy things. Look at verse 19. Whosoever lieth with a beast shall surely be put to death. That's talking about a physical relationship with a beast. bestiality. What does God think of it? Put him to death. That's what he said. You see that? I don't, I don't think... Look, I didn't, I didn't sneak around in your Bible and put that in there before the service started. Whosoever lieth to the beast shall surely be put to death. Verse 20. He that sacrifices unto any god, save unto the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. You see that? God doesn't think false religion is funny. Now look, let me explain something to you. We do not live in Old Testament Israel. We do not live under these laws. We live in the United States of America. We don't live in. Am I advocating we call witches? No, I'm not. But what we can gather from this is that God doesn't think it's funny. Does Does that make sense? God said, "If you sacrifice to a lowercase g God, that's a false God. Save unto the uppercase L, uppercase O, uppercase R, uppercase D. That's the Lord." Only, he shall be utterly destroyed. In God's society, you worship false gods, you're put to death. I'm not saying we go put to death false religions, but can we at least preach against them? Can we at least warn people against them? Can we at least go out and get people saved? Look at verse 21. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger, nor oppress him. That word stranger there is talking about a foreigner. Uh, if you know, the Spanish word for foreigner is estrangero. comes from the same word as stranger. It's talking about like an alien. He said, Thou shalt not vex a stranger, nor oppress him, for ye were strangers in the land of Eden. He's, he's talking about people, foreigners, that come from different countries. You ought to treat them right. You ought to treat them with respect. You know, sometimes we as Americans get this mentality that because we're Americans, we've got rights, and the rest of the world doesn't. Look, they're, they, have just, they, were, they were endowed by their, crea- by their creator just as much as you and I were endowed by our creator, and we ought not vex or, or be mean or afflict uh, to strangers. Look at verse 22. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. The fatherless child is talking about an orphan. He said, don't afflict a widow. Don't afflict an orphan. And look, God gets pretty upset at this stuff. He says, if thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword. And your wives shall be widows, and your children shall be fatherless. He said, don't mess with those people. Look at verse 25. If thou lend money... To any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as an usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. That word usury, they're talking about interest. One of these days I'll preach an entire sermon on it. But the Bible teaches that we as Christians should not charge interest to our brothers. So you let somebody borrow money. First of all, let me just say this. Pastor, brother so and so asked me to borrow five hundred dollars. Well, number one, if you never get that money back, could you live with that? If you never get that money back, could you still shake that person's hand? Could you still smile at them? Could you still say, I love you, brother? Well, I don't know. Then don't let them borrow it. But if you do let them borrow, don't, try, don't charge them interest. It's wrong. You're not a bank you know you ought to let people borrow money because you love them not because you're trying to you know make money off of them it says if look at verse 25 you, you don't believe me look up that word you, you say I'm going to go look that up in a comment look it up in the bible Every time the Bible uses the word usurer or usury, it's talking about charging interest for money. And he says, don't do it. If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as an usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. If thou, Look what he says, verse 26. If thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge. So he's talking about their, uh, you, you take their, their uh, piece of clothing as a guarantee or as a security. He says, thou shalt deliver it unto him by that the sun goeth down. He says, for that is his covering only, it is his raiment for his skin, wherein shall he sleep. He says, look, you know, you let somebody borrow money, you say, well, give me that jacket. And I'll, that's going to be like the down payment, or that'll be a security, in case you don't pay it back. God says, when it gets dark and it's cold outside, give him this jacket back. That's the only jacket he has. How's he going to sleep? He's going to get cold. You know, what does that mean? Don't take, you know, you let somebody borrow money, don't take stuff from them that they need. Well, I'm going to let you borrow this $1,000, but you're going to, you know, give me the keys to your car. Well, he needs that to work. You know what I mean? If you're going to, Here's the idea. If you're going to let people borrow money, let them borrow money because you love them and you're trying to help them. Not because you're trying to make money off of them. Otherwise, just go into business as a bank. And we know how wicked those have been lately. Verse 27, for that is his covering only. It is his raiment by the way, I like credit unions. Anyway, um, it is his raiment for his skin. Where shall he sleep? And it shall come to pass when he cries unto me that I will hear, look what he says, for I am gracious. You see that? That's good. I like that. You know, all these people, we talked about this before, all these uh, charismatics. God in the Old Testament was angry and in the New Testament he's nice. Look, in the Old Testament he says, I'm gracious. I'm going to take people, take care of people that get taken advantage of. Now, verse 28 is probably the most interesting verse in this whole chapter. And here's why. And let's see, how much time do I have? I've got, I can tell you how much time I have, but I've got a good seven minutes. I can do this. Look at verse 28. Thou shalt not revile the gods. Now, do you see how it's lowercase g? Nor curse the ruler of thy people. Now, the word revile there uh, means to uh, talk bad about or to abuse verbally. And God says, thou shalt not revile the false gods now when I read that I thought to myself what is God talking about he doesn't want you to revile the false gods nor the rulers of thy people but here's the thing here's what you're going to say because you, I, can, I can show you hundreds of passages where God told prophets to go and preach against the false gods and to go and preach against those people but here's what you got to understand the reason God told them here he said don't revile the false gods he said don't talk bad about them you, you know why he said that He said that because if you go back to verse number 20, he says, He that sacrifices unto any god, save unto the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. Okay? So he says, look, you don't have to waste your time reviling false gods, just put them to death. You see what he's talking about? Now, that's when they were living under this law. There came a time where wicked kings came, and they were no longer living under the law of Exodus. They were no longer living under the law of Leviticus. They were living under, they either did that which was right in their own eyes, or they did that um, which the kings thought were right, and they were living in a different law, so then God would send prophets to preach against their false religion. But while they were living under his religion, he was saying, look, you don't have to sit there and talk bad about these other false gods, because there shouldn't even be a conversation. As soon as they start worshipping false God, put them to death. And then you don't have to worry about it. And you know what that reminds me of so much? Go to Leviticus chapter number 20. And if you're interested in this subject, I'm going to be preaching an entire sermon on this, uh, what I'm about to tell you here, on Sunday morning. So, uh, this Wednesday night Bible study has been brought to you by the Sunday morning message. And uh, we're trying to advertise, I guess. But look at Leviticus chapter number 20. Look at verse number 13. I'm going to show you something that most Christians don't either know or understand or just don't like or whatever. But in Leviticus chapter number 20, look at verse number 13. This is still the law of God, right? Look what it says. If a man also lie with mankind as he lies with a woman. Do you see that? What is that talking about? Sodomy. He says the man is lying... Do you see how we saw that same terminology used for a man and a girl, how they should get married? He said, if a man lie with mankind, talking about a male, in the same way that he lied with a woman, look what it says. Both of them have committed an abomination. Look what the Bible says. They shall surely be put to death. Look what it says. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, people don't want to admit this today or talk about it today, but God put the death penalty on sodomy. He says, if a man lie with a woman, with a man in the same way he lies with a woman, they shall both be put to death. Now, now someone's going to say, well, pastor, you don't understand that that's the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, God is loving. And in the Old Testament, God was me. Well, I just read to you a verse where it says that God is gracious. But, you know, let me just go ahead and prove it to you in the New Testament. Go me to Romans chapter number 1. Romans chapter number 1. In the old, Look, God is just as angry in the Old Testament as He was in the New Testament. He's just as loving in the Old Testament as He was. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. He's the same. You're there in Romans chapter number 1? That's the New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. I mean, we're six books into the New Testament. I think it's pretty New Testament. It's the book of Romans to the Gentiles. I think that's pretty New Testament. And in Romans chapter number 1, look at verse number 26, just so you can make sure we're talking about the right thing. He says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, so they left the natural use of the woman, burned in their own lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was me. Is that pretty direct? Yeah. Sodomy, right? Look, at verse, look down at verse number 32. Is Romans chapter number 1, verse number 32 in the New Testament. Who knowing the judgments of God, that they would commit such things. What things? Sodomy. Look what it says. Are worthy of death. Did I, did I go around and stick that in your Bible? Before the service started? That's New Testament my friend. That they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but at pleasure in them that, that uh, do them. The Bible says, God says that a sodomite, that a homosexual, that a person that wants to lie with a man in the same way he lies with a woman. God says they ought to be put to death. Now look, I don't have time to explain that. I'll explain that on Sunday morning. I'll preach an entire sermon on it. Bring your friends and family because it'll offend all of them. But go back to Exodus <laughs> chapter number. Go back to Exodus chapter number twenty-two. But let me explain. Let me explain something to you today people want to talk about, what do you believe about same-sex marriage? Now look, I thank God for anyone who takes a stand against same-sex marriage. I'll buy their Chick-fil-A hamburgers and I'll support them in any way I can. But you know the honest truth? We shouldn't even be having this conversation. We shouldn't have to explain to society that it is weird and it is odd for two men to want to lie together in the same way that a man, it's weird, it's, it's not, here's what the Bible says, not natural. Why are we even having this conversation? You know, because if we lived in God's society, now look, we don't live in God's society. But if we lived in God's society, we wouldn't even have to talk about it. You know why? Because God did put him to death. So I don't have to sit there and explain to the Baptist press why I believe in, don't believe in saints and marriage. Because in God's society, they'd be put to death. And people don't like that, but it's in the Bible. It's in the, it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. Yep. I didn't write the Bible. Don't get mad at me, get mad at God. Well, Pastor, you know, and we'll preach a whole sermon on it Sunday morning. You can come back for that. But, you know, let me explain something to you just real quick. Go to John. Man, what time is it? Look, I've only been preaching for 35 minutes. Good night. Look, go to John chapter number 8. Let's do it quickly. Do it quickly, okay? John chapter number 8. If the chicken gets cold, it's your fault. Just remember that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter number 8. Let me, let me explain something to you. Um, and I, I'm just kind of preparing you for Sunday morning's sermon, I guess. John chapter number 8. Look at verse number 1. Jesus went out uh, uh, unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had sent her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now here's my question. If the woman was taken in adultery in the very act, where's the guy? Yeah. Look at verse 5. Now Moses, look what they said. Now Moses in the law commanded us, that such should be stoned. And that's true. The Bible teaches in the Old Testament. We've already seen. You put people to death for the death penalty. For, for killing. You put people to death for being a witch. You put people to death for being a homosexual. Remember we saw last week? You put people to death for hitting their parents. You put people to death for cursing their parents. I mean, there's a lot of things that God put the death penalty on. And one of the things He put the death penalty on was adultery. He said, you commit adultery, you should be stoned to death. And in verse 5 he says, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? This they said, look at verse 6, tempting him. They were testing him. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. Do you see that? They didn't ask him the question because they cared. They didn't ask him because they cared about the woman. They didn't ask him, if they would have honestly cared about judgment, wouldn't they have brought the woman and the man? They brought him because they were tempting him. They wanted to accuse him. They wanted to be able to point him. You, know, you say, well, what are they tempted him about? Here's what you got to understand. At this time, does Jesus live under Old Testament law? No, he does not. They live under the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire uh, ruled Jerusalem at this time. They lived under Roman law. Was there a law in Rome that people adultery should be put to death? No, there was not. They're not living under Levitical law. Does that make sense? So here's the thing. They come to Jesus and they say, we call this woman adultery. And they said the law of Moses said that she should be stoned. What did he say you? Here's what they were trying to do. They were trying to get him. They were trying to do a catch-22. Because if Jesus said, well, go ahead and stone her because that's what the law of Moses says. Then they would have said, well, that's anti-Roman law. You're telling us to to not follow the Roman leadership. So they would have been able to accuse him that way. Right? But if he would have said, well, the Roman law says to not put her to death. Then they would have said, well, then you're preaching against the law of Moses. Do you see what they're saying? Either way, he answers, they're going to accuse him. They're going to, that's what the, that's the whole point. Do you understand the subject? Look at verse uh, 3 again. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Look, this is, this could happen to you and I because we don't live under Old Testament law, we live under the law of the Romans, or the United States, or whatever. Look at verse 6. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus, look what he said, look what he does, but Jesus stooped down, and with his finger, wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not, so he just ignored them. He said, don't bother me with silly questions. Look at verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself, and said unto them, "Look look how he doesn't give him an answer. He says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Wasn't Jesus smart? And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing the midst, look at verse 10. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Notice, he didn't say, Jesus didn't say he accused her. He said, where are those people, the ones that were accusing you? Have no man condemned thee? Because notice, Jesus said, I'm not condemning you. Said, Is there nobody that's condemning you? Look at verse 11. She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go. But notice what he says. Sin no more. Yeah. Now here's the thing. Did you say, well, Jesus gave her a pass? Look, Jesus gave everybody a pass. Jesus is a savior. Amen. That's what, it, the Bible says he came to seek and to save, that which was lost. The Bible says he came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So he didn't just give her a pass for sin. He was doing what he came to do. Forgive sinners. Amen. Amen. And, and, guess, and you say, well, I'm not and adultery the Bible says that whosoever uh, uh, keepeth the whole law and yet offended at one point he is guilty of all That's it. you say well I've never committed to, don't look down on people that committed adultery you're a sin too and Jesus forgave you of your sin just like he forgave her and he could do that he's a savior amen praise the Lord for it but here's what I am trying to understand he didn't answer their question because yes she should have been put to death under Levitical law but no she should have been put to death under Roman law notice he's not advocating doing something that goes against the law so when I stand up here and say, the Bible says homosexuals should not be put to death, I'm not advocating they be put to death. We don't live under Levitical law. Now one day, in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, we will live under Levitical law. And guess what? Sodomites, I believe, will be put to death. Because we'll be living under the righteous kingdom of Jesus Christ. But I'm not advocating that. So if you come after the service and you start asking me questions about, do you think we should care of the queers? I'm just going to get on the ground and start writing. <laughs> I said. But guess what? If, if Jesus says if God said put them to death why would the Christians say well it's just like, it's just a sin like any other sin. We ought to love them. Let them teach Sunday school. Let them let, Put them in a room by themselves with all the 12 year old boys and, and nobody watching them. Because we just ought to be lovey. No, we ought to protect people. And we ought to realize, you know, I'm not. that's my Sunday morning sermon. I, I, I leave my most loving sermon for Sunday morning. That's when we got all the visitors. But uh, look at verse number uh, twenty nine, we're done. Thou shalt not delay to offer the purse of thy ripe fruits. You know what he's saying? When you got paid? And and, and you gotta put your tithe in? That's it. But you say, I'm I'm gonna wait a week. He said Don't delay it. Because you know you know what's gonna happen a week from now? You're not gonna have it. Because you're not disciplined. To budget, and it's wrong to keep God. It's the first fruits. You know, your tithe and your offerings ought to be the first thing you pay. That's why it's called the tithe. It's the first ten percent. It's the first fruit. It's the first thing. You know, when I get paid, you know, what's the first check. My wife and I make out our tithe, or, uh, or we just don't pay the other. No. <laughs> no, 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 we don't do that. But you know, you ought to pay. You know, he says, he says, don't delay to offer. Um, look at verse 30. Uh, he says, Likewise shalt thou do with thine oxen and with thy sheep seven days it shall be with his dam, and on the eighth day thou shalt give it. He says, if, you're, if you have to tithe of an animal, because they tithed of, those anim, of the animals in those days. And the Bible teaches that if you weren't able to tithe off an animal, you were to convert that into money and tithe off of that. Uh, so what, that, what, what the Bible teaches there is, you know, somebody gives you a car. Well, you're not gonna give 10% of your car, you know, come to church. I've got the bumper, and I've got a wheel here. So what you do is you convert that into money. So you say this car is worth $10,000, so I'm gonna tithe you know, $1,000. Um, that's what the Bible teaches. But it says, don't delay. Do it while you got it. Because when you don't have the money, you're, you're not going to have it next week. Because you're going to spend it on frivolous things. And then you're going to be sinning against God. Look at verse 31. And um, ye shall be holy men unto me, neither shall ye eat any flesh that is torn of beast in the field. Ye shall cast it to the dogs. He says, you have an animal, and it was killed by another animal. He says, don't eat it. You know, I know some of you like to stop by the highway and get that roadkill. We need. Don't need it. It's bad. <laughs> okay? Hey, isn't this practical for, for 2012? Let's yeah. bow our heads and I have a word of prayer. Dear me, Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. And thank you for a group of people who are interested in the Word of God, no matter how uh, controversial it might be. And, Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray.